on the floor. Now my jewelry box froze. Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove. Counted millions in a cold. Bad bitch, booted swole. Got her on bank roll. Can't fold, does a no. Headshot, case closed. What is up, guys? It's Andy Priscilla, and this is the show for the realists. Say goodbye to the lies, the fakeness, and delusions of modern society. And welcome to motherfucking reality. Guys, today we have a special full length episode with a very special guest that I will introduce in just a moment. If this is your first time listening, we do shows within the show. This is not your normal podcast. We have a number of different formats. Today, you're going to hear a full-length podcast. It's very similar to what you see on most other podcasts. But other times when you tune in, you're going to have a, a variety, a plethora of options. Uh, we have Q&AF. Q&AF is a question and answer show. Uh, for those of you that don't know, I'm an entrepreneur. I've been uh, mildly successful, to say the least. Uh, and I share my information with you guys for free when you ask me for uh, shit that you want to know. You could submit your questions a few different ways. The first way, guys, email those questions into askandy at andyforsella.com. Or if you didn't know, we just started uploading our full length episodes on YouTube after eight years at being audio exclusive. I know a lot of you guys are still on all the, all the audio platforms and that's how you like to do it. That's cool too. But if you want to submit some questions, uh, you could submit a question underneath the video episode on YouTube of Q&AF and we'll pick some questions from there as well. Other times when you tune in, we'll have CTI. That stands for Cruise the Internet. Uh, that's where we talk about current events, the news. Uh, we talk about what's going on in the world. We speculate. We talk about who's lying, who's telling the truth, and we make fun of all these dumb motherfuckers. Uh, and if you have uh, no sense of humor, you're not going to like that show, so I just pass on that. And then other times, you're going to have Real Talk. Real Talk is just five to 20 minutes. You guys would probably call it a rant. I just call it the truth. And uh, that's pretty much the wrap up of the show. And a lot of you guys ask all the time, you're like, well, why, why do you guys talk about politics? You know what, Andy? I really, I really like your business advice. You know, it really, it's really helped me a lot. But your politics are really fucking stupid. Well, let me explain to you something. Uh, it's very unlikely that I'm stupid in one area and good at the other area. The reason I talk about the, so the social issues that you need to know about is because without a clean environment of freedom, we cannot prosper as entrepreneurs. So while we've all had our heads in the sand for the last... 15 years, living it up, making great money, doing great shit. Uh, some people have gotten in the way and they're taking our freedom. And if they continue to take our freedom, we won't have the opportunities to grow our businesses. And that's reality. Think of it like fish in the fish tank. Uh, if you don't clean the tank, the fucking fish die. That's why I talk about politics. That's why I talk about social issues. And for all of that shit, okay, if we provide value, if we make you laugh, if we make you think, if we do a good job, if you learn something, if it helps you out, whatever the case may be, if you like the show and it wasn't a waste of time, please share the show. That's what we refer to when we say pay the fee. Uh, I've never run an ad for this show. I don't run ads on this show. You're not going to hear me talk about a bunch of shit that I don't use, uh, that I take money for. I'm independently wealthy. I don't have to take anybody's money. And that way you get my straight fucking opinion every single time. And in exchange for that, please tell somebody about the show. That's it. If we do a bad job, you don't have to tell anybody. I'm not asking to share the show. Just if we do good. We just happen to always do good. All right. So what's happening, DJ? What's going on, brother? Hello, children. We have a uh, very special guest. Yeah, we do. Mrs. Cody Sanchez what's in the house. On? Thanks what's for going having on? me. Yeah. It's good. It's great to see you. It's great to have you guys here, both of you. Right back at you. It's yeah. cool seeing your facility. This is wild. Thank you. Well, we've only seen half of it. We still yeah. got the other half of the tour. That's tiny. It's really small. What I've yeah. seen so far. <laughs> now, <laughs> really little. I asked you to come on the show. Because I feel like, and this is a genuine feeling of mine, that I feel like you're putting out some of the best entrepreneurial content on the internet right now. So um, 
as an actual operator of businesses, it's very easy for me to see who's who when it comes to who's giving advice. Uh, I just had Eric Spofford on. Eric Spofford is an actual operator. I can recognize it. You're an actual operator. I can recognize that. And we're filled with a world of people pretending to be operators to sell their coaching. And so what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to expose people to real entrepreneurs, people who understand real things. And I've been watching your content for consistently for at least a year and uh, you're doing a freaking awesome job with it. So oh, thank I'm excited you. to have you on the show. Well, same. I, I feel the exact same way. Just watching your operation here. I mean, talking about tactics. I've been listening to you for a while too, probably more than a year. And, uh, and a couple things really just blew me away when I walked in here that we talked about prior. But I hope on this podcast, what we get to do today is like, I think we should go pretty deep on tactics. I think your audience can handle it and can actually make some change because we have so many crazy people in the world today. Like, let's make some more owners because like we were talking about before, we, got, we don't have enough people with skin in the game. Yeah. One of the things that I like about you uh, that you talk about consistently is how successful boring businesses can be. Um, let's talk about that because that's something that no one else is talking about. Everybody else is talking about e-com and they're talking about you know, I'm going to become the next Facebook or I'm, they got these big plans, right? That never happen. And, you know, nobody's talking about the real bread and butter that actually produces most of the success in the United States of America, which is small mom and pop, medium sized mom and pop, boring shit that you never think about. And um, like, give us a little history and let these guys know where you come from, because like that content to me is the shit where I watch it. And I'm like, dude, that's fucking gold. And I don't know that everybody recognizes how gold that actually is. Well, I think one of the things most people don't realize is we're kind of under attack from a technical standpoint in this country. Like we got a bunch of people that fuck around on the Internet and, you know, we're doing it right now that want to be on TikTok and YouTube and don't want to go become a plumber or yeah. become a welder. And yet plumbers and welders make more than people in marketing, a.k.a. TikTokers, by and large. And simultaneously, I think what people don't realize, but they do, is that when you don't have a lot of cash and there's a recession and things are going bad, but your toilet breaks, you fucking call the plumber. And so these businesses are, they're not recession proof. I don't really like that word, but they're really resistant. Mm -hmm. And so I obsess on businesses that make communities thrive, that people have to spend money on no matter what, because they're the trades that are specialties. And I've done that for like 15 years. I used to call it private equity. Like this is not really a new thing. It's just nobody was on the internet talking about it. And it was actually because, so when I started in finance, one of my first bosses, uh, who was the CEO of a pretty big company, a couple hundreds of billions of dollars under management. And he said to me, um, when I started speaking on a few uh, uh, circuits about private equity, what we do, we buy these little businesses, we apply leverage, aka other people's money on it, and we help them grow. And he's like, Cody, we get rich quietly here. And I was like, yeah, kind of. But like, we can't buy all of these small businesses. I think we should have more people learn how to buy small businesses because then they'll make the businesses bigger and then we can buy the bigger businesses. Mm -hmm. And right now, What's happening instead is all over this country right now. There's 11.2 million small businesses for sale in the U.S. Let's be let's be real and say like 10 to 12 million. It's real hard to track. And out of these 12 million small businesses, let's say one in 12 in a year will not sell. So that means they're just getting shut down. And, you know, because you've run businesses, every business has value. Like, let's say just this little podcast business that you have. Imagine you shut down tomorrow. 
Well, what do you do with all the camera gear? Well, what about your historical videos? Well, what about your AdSense revenue on YouTube? There's a value in everything. And so I get obsessed with how do I buy those businesses before they turn to zero? Because that's a travesty for the person who built that business that gets no value out of it and for the assets that just disappear. They just go poof. It's see, how much of this do you think has to do with cultural differences between the generations? Meaning, <clears throat> so I noticed this too, right? Like I'm, I have a couple building projects going on, actually a couple really big projects, construction projects, and then some smaller projects for, for personal stuff. And it's hard to find trades, right? Like people don't want to work. They don't, they, they look at the, the, the sparkly, shiny things like we talked about, e-com, TikTok, YouTube superstar. And they think, fuck, I don't want to own a plumbing company. You know how many rich motherfucking plumbing company dudes I know? Like quite a few of them. And, and dude, we're in, a, we're in a vacuum right now, I think, where, and I, I, think, I think the data shows it. You know, we, you and I, I think we were talking about that article from Japan where in Japan right now, they have a situation where a lot of the older business people want to retire, but they don't have kids or they don't have people interested in taking those businesses. How many of those 10 to 12 million businesses do you think that's the situation where they just don't have uh, an error or a, uh, maybe they it's have session plan? Yeah. yeah, but their kids don't want to work. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And it, it, it seems to me like it's a cultural difference, like where they want to work. But the reality is, is because what you guys all have to really think about, what I would encourage you to think about is that the less there are of those things, the more they are worth. So you might look at a plumber because you've looked at a plumber uh, with a condescending view, right? Mm -hmm. Like you think of a plumber as like some big fat dude underneath the sink with his ass crack sticking out, right? <laughs> like we all think of, they made a million. But the reality is there's so few people getting into the electrical trades, getting into the plumbing trades, getting into construction trades that those jobs are going to become increasingly more high pay, not less pay, you know, because there's none, there's none around. So I'm curious to think what you think about, about, about all that. Yeah. Well, one, I mean, in Japan, yeah, they're giving away businesses for free, yeah, which giving is wild. Them away. That's crazy. Uh, and these are profitable cash flowing businesses. These are not businesses that you have to plow money into. These are not what I call hopes and dreams, aka Silicon Valley, venture capital, social media apps. These are real businesses mm -hmm. that the day one you take it over, they start cash flowing to you. And and the reason is exactly that. I think there's a mismatch. You know, where we are in my mind is we're like 20 years ago in real estate. Remember when real estate and maybe a lot of people listening, but there didn't used to be MLS forever publicly. Mm -hmm. Zillow and Redfin are very new. You didn't used to be able to go and see what something was worth really easily in the real estate market. Now it's become a commodity, right? Mm -hmm. Stocks used to be like that 50 years ago. The next, I think, uh, venture is businesses. Mm -hmm. Right now, businesses are just a little bit harder to buy. They're not all the same. They're not the same price on the same block like a house is. But in the future, I think there's going to be technology that changes that. So anybody that starts buying businesses now, you're taking advantage of, this is kind of a big word, but in, but in finance, we call it you know opaqueness in a market. And anytime there's opaqueness, meaning that you can't see through it, it's not see-through glass, then you have an arbitrage window, meaning that you can make more money. And every time an arbitrage window happens, they close at some point. And usually they close pretty quickly. But this one won't because businesses are really different. So I think actually there's I think there's a couple false narratives. First false narrative is there are actually my businesses. We don't have a hard time hiring your business. You probably don't have a hard time hiring. Why? Because you're a good operator. This is the beautiful part about small businesses is the guys operating these businesses like bless them because they powered our communities for years, but 
they're operating on fax machines. You know, we got, I mean, I I went into a, a place the other day. They're running on dot matrix printers. Yeah, he yeah. asked me, he, he sent me his yeah. AOL address. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, immediately man. I want to buy your business because I know there's opportunity for the upside, yeah. right? And so they just don't have the right technology. But when you are our generation, you're interested in technology, you can overlay technology, marketing, and social media on a plumbing company, it becomes pretty damn sexy, actually, mm -hmm. if you like money in your bank account and not, you know, egotistical follows on social media, then, yeah. then you'd be into it. No, I'd rather just be famous on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some downsides, I think people oh, don't realize. Dude. Yeah, we could that. talk about that whole, yeah. all day. Yeah. So what do you, so let's get into some of these tactics that you want to talk about, because yeah. I'm, I'm definitely, I want to showcase uh, the things that you want to talk about here, because yeah. I, I think you're, like I said, putting out some amazing content that people need to know. What are some of the key, key performance indicators that you look at when you're looking to buy a small business that, that make it appealing for you? Yeah. Well, what, you know, what's cool is you just told me a story that I didn't know about you, which is how'd you start this bad boy? Mm -hmm. You did a $0 asset acquisition, mm -hmm. basically. Yeah. You know, you basically had first form. Well, it wasn't first form back then, but let's just It's called Supplement it. Superstores. Okay. Yeah, it's our retail company. We still own it. Right. Yeah. And, and you did, and you probably didn't even know what it was called back then. You were just like, you have this excess machinery and you have a problem with it where you can't make that machinery make you money. And so I'm going to come in and I'm going to make this machinery make you money. And for that, you're going to give me part of the company. That's right. And that's called an asset acquisition. And you did it with zero dollars and just your smarts. And the thing is, in finance, we learn all this stuff real early. We learn terms like leverage buyouts, which basically just mean buy something, use somebody else's money. You know, we learn these things like asset acquisition, which basically just means somebody has something that can produce and you buy it. And uh, but when I you know, was starting out, I didn't know any of this stuff. So I think the most important part for, for people listening today is basically the second that you want to get bored listening to us and the second that you want to instead go watch, I don't know you know, the Senate hearing or whatever it was, and they're shitting on Howard Schultz, or you want to get into what's happening in Nashville, and you want to like get on the the wheel of um, angriness because of what's happening in the media, like stop and listen and get excited when people talk about taxes, finances, and individual metrics, because that's where all the money is. Mm -hmm. uh, one of my favorite uh, mentors, he said something like, he's a KKR, uh, which is a big private equity firm for people listening. Um, and he said, uh, rich people don't bitch about taxes and then pay them, which is what poor people do. Rich people learn about taxes and then outsmart them. And so I think that's the same thing with buying businesses. So the first thing I would say, if you listen to anything, it's just like, hey, a bunch of businesses are for sale. If you don't know how to do deals, you should probably learn how to do deals. And you can go to the internet and just Google deal making. You can Google private equity. So I think that's first. The second thing that I'll say, and then I'd be curious, your take is like, when I buy a business, a lot of people they put a lens on a business that's Pollyanna. And so they'll look at a business to buy and they'll say, well, if I'm in charge of this business, then we're going to do X millions. The most important thing you have to remember when buying businesses is you want to buy businesses for what they are today. You want to look them in the eye. And if they're ugly, you want to tell them they're ugly. And you don't want to try to buy a business and think that you're going to be better than the plumber that was in place there before, because you're probably not. And so I buy profitable cash flowing businesses. And so my little framework to make it easy, because I think that's important on the internet, this stuff intimidated me before too, is called BRRT, which means buy boring businesses that are profitable. They have to make money in recession resistant asset classes like plumbing, landscaping, construction, right? Um, raise prices because the average small business is underpriced by 3x in what they sell mm. and then add technology. And that's kind of 
it. If you understand that, then you can take it to the the next level. But I think it's really cool because I never knew that you started your company through an acquisition kind of. Yeah, well, I mean, sort of. I mean, we still had to operate it. It wasn't from like an investment standpoint. You know, yeah. my my take on my take on what you're talking about is like if because I'm not a that's not what I do. I'm a I'm a brand builder. I'm a business builder, pure operator. So like I'm not a guy who goes out and invests and buys shit. The shit that I've acquired happened to be just stuff that was coming my way that made sense. Yeah. And I picked it up along the way. I really don't do any sort of investment outside of my wheelhouse um, because I'm literally dedicated to this for life. Like I'm going to build the next fucking Nike. So like, do you I, ever buy companies and add them in? <clears throat> yeah, we do. We've done it a couple of times. Um, but most of the time, those companies would be the exception to your rule because they actually were run like shit. And I was able to, able to turn them into something completely different. Interesting. So I think it depends on how much you want to put your hands in it. But running a pro portfolio of, of a, a number of different companies that are unrelated, like you guys do, I think that's, you know, it's just a different animal. You know what yeah. I mean? And I think your system for that would probably make a lot of sense. And it's probably very true. Um, I look to vertically integrate. So like when I, when I acquire anything, it's all about where does it fit in our supply chain? Uh, you know, we own things all the way from, some of the land that some of the shit that we put in our products has grown on all the way down to the finished goods in our own finished stores. So my whole plan is to vertically integrate all areas of our business so that they all, you know, we have more value. So, um, I, you know, I think there's multiple ways to look at it, but I think that there's massive opportunity, especially for young people right now who are in their 20s who are like, dude, I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be a business owner. I want to do this to do it just like you guys have done it, which I think is fucking cool. Well, I think the other thing is too, you had an idea and you were obsessed with that idea and have stayed obsessed with it for 24 years. What if you're sitting out there right now and you don't have an idea, mm -hmm. but you don't want to work for somebody else yeah. and you know that you've got the grind and the hustle and the figure it out, but you don't have some brilliant Facebook, YouTube, Tesla, you know, right. uh, in your, in your mind. And for those people, I really like this type of entrepreneurship. Too. Yeah. Because you start, I call them the gateway drug businesses, because once you get the business bug, like you can't stop. I mean, we were yeah. talking about this before. I mean, it's painful, yeah. right? Running these things. It's, it's it, the weirdest shit ever. Because right. it fucking, it, it sucks. Every, <laughs> we got on this tangent before the show started about fucking happiness. Like people, all right, I'm just going to fucking say it. A lot of you young motherfuckers have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. And you fuck yourselves over over and over and over again in your life and you really don't even know how bad you're fucking yourselves over because you put happiness at the forefront of the life equation when in reality happiness is something that you produce through struggle through purpose through discipline through overcoming okay and what you end up doing is you go from this thing to that thing to this career to that career to this to that to this and what's going to end up happening and when it happens don't fucking come crying to me because i don't give a shit i try to warn you you're going to be 50 years old you're going to be tired as fuck and you're going to have to work because you're going to have to eat. And that's going to, that's where this chasing happiness shit that these young people are all about right now is going to, is going to end up because I'm going to tell you something. And I know this is true for you guys too. I've worked every motherfucking day since I was 19 years old, hard as fuck. Okay. Like none of this shit was given to me. Not, not any of it was given to me. In fact, I believe I should be much further down the road for the amount of work that I've done. And I just see these young people all day long because they see these dudes traveling the internet uh, or these people traveling the internet in their fucking rented van, you know, taking pictures of fucking mountains and shit on their journey, right? And they still think that, you know, when I get to be 35, I'll figure it out and then I'll start. Bro, there's not enough time. 
You're not that good. You don't have the time you think you have. And people don't realize that. And so one of the things I like about what you're talking about and what you do is that it allows these exact people who may not like their career, they may not like exactly their job, but instead of hopping from thing to thing to thing to thing to thing, you could actually learn what Cody's talking about and you can build a portfolio, an asset portfolio that could be bigger than even maybe like what I do with one or two or three brands, right? Like that's a, that's a huge thing. And peop, the, the reason I really wanted you to come on was to show people this because nobody's talking about it. And it's a huge issue. And there's, there's like, dude, 12 million fucking businesses out there for sale that people can't give away. Like, you can't tell me that you can't get creative on some financing and figure out how to pick up one or two of these things and get to work. Exactly. Like, that's, that's it, it's right there for us to take. And in fact, I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, shit, dude, I should start building a portfolio of these small businesses. Like, this is something I could do with very little effort. You, you know? absolutely should. Well, yeah. and, you know, and the other thing to talk about happiness for a second, you know, happiness looks like purpose. And I think people are robbing us at the elite levels in society by making us think that we're well, not capable. Hold on. We're the elite. No, that's true. They're not the fucking elite. Fuck them. That's a good caveat. <laughs> you know, uh, I think uh, I think anybody who tells you you can't, you know, somebody else has to solve it for you here. Let me help it. You should run. You should walk or you should run, not walk away from them. And in fact, you should be leaning into everybody who tells you it's hard. But hey, like you can figure it out. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing about small business. You know, I get pissed because people on the Internet all the time are like, you know, oh, you know, you can't really buy a small business if you've never won, run one before. Oh, buying small businesses is just for people who have a lot of money. And I'm like, I can show you. We track. I'm ex-finance. I can't help it. We track every single dollar in profit and revenue that somebody has sent us their actual bank statement and PPM, basically the offer doc that shows people they bought a business. Um, we track every single dollar that we aggregate. Our People who follow us in one capacity or the other on the internet and in our groups have bought $97 million in profit. And so like this is we only been talking about this for a year and a half. These are people who, you know, one of them, Renan, is a single father. He bought an eight million dollar business. This is not normal. This was a cool deal. But he bought an eight million dollar business for zero dollars in seller financing. And he now runs this big HVAC trucking company in New Jersey. And instead of having to travel nonstop because he wanted to hang with his kid more, he gets to run a local business. Is it easy? No. But is it simple? Yes. And so I think. The purpose that Renan has from that job, as opposed to working a job that he hates and resenting the person who's giving him money to feed himself, that's a sickness. You know, I don't think that, Man, that is that is a sickness. It's a sickness. Yeah. And I don't think that everybody needs to be an owner, but I think more people need to be an owner in the U.S. I think there's a lot of people. I, I, I think there's a distinct difference between operators like, look entrepreneurship, I've been in this entrepreneurship platform game for 12 years now at a high level, okay? 10, 10, 12 years to 10 years at a high level. I went right to the fucking top. I can tell you for fucking sure, for sure, that most of the people out there that are out there looking to do whatever it is that they want to do, they are consistently overlooking the low-hanging fruit for the big glory plays that everybody else seems to be hitting it big with. And it's so frustrating to watch these people do that because they talk about purpose and they talk about what they want to, they want to be happy, right? Well, bro, if you want to have purpose and you want to be happy, you, all you have to do is decide what the fuck your purpose is. And, and a lot of people, like they're chasing this like fake 
because I've seen it happen for over a decade. There's this fake image of entrepreneurship being sold. And in my opinion, I think there's a lot of people who think they are equipped to actually operate that really aren't. But I also believe on the flip side that there's a lot of people who are intimidated by doing it that could do it, that won't do it because of the fake shit that's been spewed out about the inter- on the internet. Or the, the entrepreneurship has been branded as something for everyone when it's not. It's not for everyone. That doesn't mean it's not for you. It's just not for everyone. And it's hard as fuck. And it's not for someone who says, oh, I want to be happy every day. It's not for that. Like it's for people that want to solve fucking problems and actually build real shit. And it's interesting to me to watch the, 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 the dynamic of like people who should be entrepreneurs not be, and then people who quote unquote are entrepreneurs that shouldn't be and like watching this whole thing happen and then seeing all of these influencers out there who are pretend entrepreneurs tell these people how easy it is and how simple it is and how quick it can be and how rich they got. And here's, look at my cars. And by the way, I fucking love cars, but guess what? I earned every motherfucking one of them. I didn't fake it. Okay. And like, dude, we have such an interesting cultural dynamic around the idea of being your own boss. People don't realize that when you're your own boss, you're, you're not really your own boss because the customers are the boss of you. That's the reality. And so it's, it's just interesting to me to watch how this is all played out because I see like, dude, even, even when I go to events and speak sometimes, which I don't do very much anymore, the questions I usually get are like, they come from a place of total confusion. Like people are totally confused about what it is they should or shouldn't be doing. You know, they hear, they, they hear, and I love Gary Vee, bro. He's one of my really good friends. I, I talk to him all the time, but they hear Gary say, you know, happiness, passion, purpose. And they, 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 what they hear, because Gary presents it a certain way, which is always a nice way to present it. A lot of times they hear like no friction, easy, fun all the time. Right. And yeah. that's not reality. And so like this issue of happiness that we talk about, and by the way, bro, I love you, Gary. I'm not talking shit. I'm just saying people sometimes misinterpret what you're trying to say. I know what you're trying to say. Um, But that happened to me too. Like, like my team, one of us, like we put out content now, right? But I own these 24 businesses. So content is 10% of what I do and the businesses are 90%. And maybe now it's like 2080. But so my team puts out a lot of content for me, too. And, yeah. and I re- review all of it. But sometimes and, and one of these times I saw them use the words passive income mm. and which is a huge no, no for mm-hmm. me. I don't Run. believe in those two words. Shit. It's I not don't real. believe it. It's not, not a real thing. It's not real. Now, I believe in horizontal versus vertical income, vertical, meaning you make it in your nine to five yeah. and that, you know, your time is tied to that dollar. Mm-hmm. OK, you can have horizontal, which means your time's not exactly tied to it, a.k.a rental properties, a secondary business that you own, the bonds or mutual funds that cash flow to you. Horizontal, yeah, not passive. Ask and, anybody who owns a real estate company where they rent property if it's passive. I know, I love Ask anybody. The internet you got have, very mad at me about only, that though. Really? Oh yeah, I, I did a tweet, which is always a dangerous thing to do. And it said, <laughs> uh, and it said, um, uh, it said exactly that. It said, if you've, if just about ask any, ask anybody who has run any sort of real estate portfolio, if it's passive, um, and I'll tell you if they're a liar or not. Yeah. And the internet was like, no, I run it completely remote. And I'm like, I could tell you who's got a course or not based on the, the answers to these questions. <laughs> no you know? shit, dude. No shit. It's a fact. Like, dude, that's a flat out fucking lie. And it only takes your first property to learn that lesson. Yeah. Hmm. You know, now, now maybe if you own 10,000 units, and you have proper management in place 
and your cash flow and real good. Maybe it's maybe it's passive then, right? Yeah. Because you're fu- but like, dude, the amount of work it takes to get to that point, it sure is fucking passive. No. And that is the biggest lie told on the internet. It's the biggest lie. But I also think there's joy in it. I mean, we talked about this before. Your company does a lot in revenue now. We won't say how much, but it does a lot and it doesn't get easier. There's always somebody fucking up when you have a big company, but you actually find joy in it. I mean, I find if you put me in a room with a bunch of people who only want to talk about the weather or sports, sorry, Cardinals, I know it's opening day. Like I'd rather shoot my brains out than Mm -hmm. sit in that room. Mm -hmm. Now, if I get to sit in a room with a bunch of people who are building things, I don't care if it's tractor supply or carpeting. I find that so much more interesting because we humans are meant to be here to build something. And I think there is an assault on ownership in the U.S. And you saw it yesterday, actually. If you watched, do you watch any of the Howard Schultz uh, stuff? uh So they basically, you know, Bernie Sanders was coming after him and shocking, <laughs> shocking and kept calling I him a billionaire that. in the way that you would say a four letter word. Yeah. Right. And so Howard stopped him and said, hey, wait a second. Um, I don't like how you're using this word. Monitor, I grew yeah. up in subsidized government housing. I built a company up from nothing. Nobody handed me anything. And I thought I was the achievement of the American dream. He is. And now you're calling me a billionaire. But it sounds like fuck you. Right. Yeah. And uh, and I he might it, have not said those last day. two words. <laughs> yeah, and, and Bernie tried to shut him up. And Bernie tried yeah. to shut him up. And and more power to Howard that he you know pushed out. pushed back. But I think uh, they're trying to pit us against owners, which is why I want more small business owners because tragedy the commons, man. If nobody owns anything, if nobody, if everybody's responsible for something, then nobody's responsible for well, it. That's the goal. That's cultural Marxism. The the, the goal the goal is to pit. Like if you go to Karl Marx's grave, it says on his gravestone, workers of the world unite, but they don't want to do work. They're not workers. They just want the shit. And Bernie Sanders is just a dude who is perfectly okay with owning three fucking massive houses, okay, on other people's money. But for Howard Schultz, and by the way, um, it's kind of, in my opinion, uh, it's interesting, at least. I kind of think what, what Howard is getting is part karma because he's facilitated this fucking bullshit in his own company for how many years like i think most of the socialism in this country was born in a fucking starbucks so now you're starting i'm being real go to to starbucks listen to the fucking employees he's cultivated that woke ass culture inside his company now he's getting hurt for it i don't do that shit here so you woke motherfuckers come here you see you find out real fast about what it is real talk you won't get in i won't hire you Discriminate and sue me all you want. I don't give a shit. But Well, you're looking for people who actually want to put their nose to the grindstone. And I think, I mean, my husband and I kind of joke about it. There's part of me that loves those humans. There's part of me that loves the people that don't do the work. Because for every person like that, it just means it's a little easier for the rest of us. And so I actually think, you know, people in finance, we don't like to teach people how to buy businesses using leverage and using these structures because then people would realize, oh God, why am I paying two and 20 to a bunch of financial professionals to run a private equity company when I could go out and buy the neighborhood laundromat Mm -hmm. or when I could start really small. Like if I was a high school student, my father was an entrepreneur for years. He would never call himself that by the way, which I think is funny. He'd be like, I was a small business owner. Um, But I mean, I would start with like a vending machine route. I would buy a couple of used vending machines and I would learn the game of business by understanding a PL, 
and inventory management and doing it with a thousand bucks. Yeah. And you know what? You can learn that shit in a fucking day. A day. A day. Like one day. Like the, the terms intimidate people. I 100%. Think. You know, they hear all the terms or they hear someone who's smart like you are talking about all the shit that you know, like the back of your hand. And it confuses them to where they're like, oh, I could never learn all this. But really, dude, it's like 10 things. And if you can learn them all like real quick, like, you know what I'm saying? Um, it's interesting that you say that about the, uh, about the building thing. Because I'm the same exact way, dude. Like, I, I don't care if we're building a snow cone stand. I don't care if we're building. It doesn't matter. I have to, I have to create shit. Like, I help a lot of my friends with their businesses for free because I care about them and I want to see their businesses win. And it's honestly like that's more fucking fun for me than even working on my own shit at this point in time. And um, I love it's funny because it's there's a paradox almost there because like it's hard and it's kind of stressful, but I'm also the happiest when I'm like that. And that's what's so interesting to me about how people value their happiness. It's like, dude, if you're really if you're really being honest, are you happy when you're sitting at the at the Starbucks with a coffee and a fucking donut? Working on your, are you happy or are you really happy when shit's hard and you're like coming up with a solution and you're overcoming some of the shit that we have to overcome that to me, and I know everybody's not wired like me and you. Okay. But, and this is what I'm talking about that, you know, the 8% of people that should be running businesses versus the 92% that shouldn't. Most of those people should be those kinds of people where they can recognize the happiness in the struggle. Because dude, for me, like, I am happy. Like, this is, this is really fucked up to say, and it's, a lot of you guys might not get it, but I made this post yesterday when I'm out doing my ruck. I've been doing rucks every day for like 40 days straight or some shit because Jason McCarthy, who owns Go Ruck, trolled me on the internet for a long time <laughs> saying that I was a pussy for doing walks during 75 hard. So now I'm going to ruck for the rest of my fucking life. All right? It is what it is. I'm going to shove it down his fucking throat in a friendly way. But here's the reality. I made a post, and I love you, Jason. You're my fucking boy. My boy, Blue. You're my boy, Blue. That's right. Yeah. You don't even know that shit, bro. No, but I know the saying. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> I know you've never seen the actual movie. So <laughs> DJ's the guy that we pick up on the roof, tie the block to his dick. <laughs> so Sounds terrible. Yeah. So, dude, uh, I made a post yesterday. I was doing the Go Ruck. I'm like talking about happiness. And it's like, dude, you know when I'm happiness? Like when I'm truly happy is when I'm doing shit that I know motherfuckers aren't doing. Mm. Like when I know that people who are on my level competing, like, dude, most of the people are on my level are smoking cigars, fucking off. They're on vacation. They're on the fucking boat. They're flying a helicopter. Fuck you guys. I'm fucking working, bro. And I take pride in that. It makes me fucking happy. And when I come in here, which I don't have to do, and I sit down with the team, and we get on the whiteboard, bro, that's my fucking bread and butter. I love that shit. And it's hard. And like, so it's weird to me how, how different people see happiness as totally different things. Like, dude, if I sat at a Starbucks all day just on my computer eating fucking donuts, bro, I'd be the most unhappy person on the fucking planet. Like, I could, I can't even tolerate the atmosphere. Like, it makes me cringe. I feel like I'm going to catch something in there. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, like, I'm going to catch mediocrity. It's going to get on my oh, skin. Yeah. I got to fucking wipe it off. Like, I'm sorry. That's just how I feel. And, you know, so I, I think a lot of people misjudge happiness when it comes to their career because it's hard. Oh yeah. Right? Like the minute it gets hard, oh, I'm not happy. Bro, what the fuck are you talking about? This is a challenge. To get over this challenge is going to make you happy. Well, it's because of what they paint 
the things you have to do to be happy as. When oh, well, now, nowadays, here's yeah. what it is, DJ. Yeah. You got to fucking wake up at four o'clock in the morning. That's you got a cold yeah. plunge. You got a journal. <laughs> you got to fucking do 25 jumping jacks upside down. Mm -hmm. Then I can get ready for my deep work, yeah. right? And by the time, like, dude, it's just this constant, dude, these people are all full of shit. Dude, if, dude, I wish the internet, like real talk, I wish the internet had a, like, we have a glass door, right? Let's have glass door on Instagram for people's bank account. Oh, yeah. Okay? That would solve the problem real quick. All right? Half of these motherfuckers out there telling you, do, do, do this deep breath work and all this shit. Uh, look, you can do whatever the fuck you want. I promise you when you look in their bank account, it's fucking small. Yeah. Small. I'm living minimalist. Yeah, not because, dude, no, not you're because you want poor. to, bro. Yeah, yeah that's not right. because you want to. You're right. just fucking broke, dude. You haven't I been in Nantucket, switch. you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> that, ain't, that ain't how it works. Right? I wish, too, that there was something on the internet where you could track people's advice. Like, all those people who were hawking crypto, oh my God. NFTs. Yeah. I mean, I wish we kept a list yeah. of that. I think that is criminal. I think NFTs are, are definitely, that was definitely fucking bullshit. That's I how I know not to trust almost anybody yeah. who touched one. Crypto, they're intentionally going to bury. Yeah. Which is what I've been, dude, I sat on a board at 2017 at this crypto conference as the person who was anti-crypto. Okay, so I'm on the board with all these fucking <laughs> crypto experts. Oh, I bet they love oh, you. Oh, they fucking hated me, dude. <laughs> because like, I'm exactly who I am. Like, I am who I am on the show. I am who I am in real life. I am who I am on stage. Really quiet. And, uh, yeah, really quiet. Definitely not annoying. Happy. <laughs> Fucking no, no sense of humor. No, exactly. perfectly polite. No, yeah. no smart mouth. Never right. interrupt anybody. Um, you know, all the things. I'm actually totally a perfect human being. In right. Life. Um, but dude, these guys were talking about crypto. I said, look, dude. I said, you guys are talking about like crypto at retail level. That's what they were talking about. I said, look, all right. Let me prove to you why this ain't going to fucking work right now. Explain it to my dad. What do you mean explain it to your dad? My dad's 77 years old. Explain it to my dad. Explain how he's going to fucking use, how are you going to price something in crypto dollars? Like they couldn't explain it. And I know there's a workaround to it now. Yeah. But the point is, is that it's not usable enough for the average person to adopt. And that's what they were trying to sell it as. And now they're selling it as like a, a secure way to hold funds outside of the Federal Reserve, which... I think it's a noble idea, but the problem is these people are criminals and they're going to fucking crush all that shit. And yeah. like, I've been saying that too. So, but yeah, dude, I agree with you. Like terrible advice nonstop. And if we could just see like, dude, if you guys could just see in these people's lives, like see their bank accounts, see where they're leveraged. Like, dude, a lot of these people with the flashy shit, bro, they are leasing that shit to the max. They dude, they probably have less than a hundred grand in their bank account. And they're talking about how they're a decamillionaire and all this shit. And like, it's, it's, Dude, it's fraud. Yeah. Well, I think you got to show me what you know, not what you bought. You know, I, I don't yeah. care about what you've bought. I want to know what do you know that I don't know? Yeah. And, you know, one of the things Chris and I were talking about, like Chris is my husband. How why do you think we've had any sort of success? If you could say that we we have. And, and I think there's like three reasons. One is we go where the game's played. So if I wanted to be in supplements and fitness, I'd probably get my ass out here to first yeah. form. If I wanted to be in tech and innovation, used to be San Fran, now it's probably Austin, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so we've just gone where the game's played. Yeah. That's step one. Most people won't do that. Most yeah. people will never leave where they, they were born. And then step two is we're ruthless for the people that are around us. Mm -hmm. and, and it's that stupid saying that you've heard a million times, except it's true about the average of the five people surrounding you. Except what you find in life, 
you know, and what Chris and I have found is, and, and you are way ahead of me, so you've seen it probably so much sooner than I did, but there ha- there come these unlocks where you you level up, you level up, and the people around you can't support your next unlock because they know the past version of you. Yeah. And so I think- And they that, expect that. And yeah, and, and they love it. They love you. Yeah. They love you, and so they love that version, and they're scared for what the next version might be. Mm-hmm. So even if we're being super altruistic and giving them some benefit of the doubt, they're not ready for the next unlock. And so that's why I kind of, I obsess around getting around other builders, other people who tell me more reasons why something could happen and not more reasons why it couldn't happen. Because it's really easy to tell people why they can't do something. It's actually quite hard to show people how they can do something. And so anytime I'm around those people that show me, oh, here's what I know. Here's how you can apply it. And like, yeah, I think you're capable. And like, you might fail, but we're just going to make sure two things. We're going to make sure we never let you make a decision that bankrupts you. Um, we're going to make sure that we never have your first deal go sideways. Because mm-hmm. if you think if your first deal goes sideways, a lot of times people think, man, deal making's bad, yeah. not they I did a bad deal. Shy. That's exactly. right. Exactly. So that's what we got to protect against. But I think a lot of people, you know, and the other part that I actually, we have a mutual friend, Alex Ramosi, and I always I was just thinking about him. him. Like literally, yeah. as you were saying that, I was <laughs> just thinking about that because the last conversation I had with him, he said almost the exact same thing. Oh, he did? Yeah, all, like personal conversation, not on the air. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, well, he and I always jokingly go back and forth because- He's a smart motherfucker, I, man. I agree. Yeah. Well, I think both of you guys are low key, um, you know, you do a really good job of being very broad, which is necessary on the internet to bring lots of people in. But then if you if you double tap, you can go real deep, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is is the sign of real intellect. Yeah, that's where I do it. I do that with Arate, with Emilet. We yeah. go real deep inside Arate, but I'll, exactly. I'll, on the show here, like, you know, it, it, we're talking to yeah. Well, no, it's, it's exactly what you want to do. You want to have a big, I mean, it's not that I different from religion. Because it actually. actually is pretty deep. Yeah. And I think, it, I think that's, Spofford does the same shit. He he talks about concepts and ideas that you have to be an actual operator to totally grasp. And I actually, you know, for me, dude, I love that content because it's real shit. Yeah. You know, it's not just this like, you know, Instagram buzz stuff. Frou-frou. Don't tell me to fucking manifest. Yeah. That's my, yeah. that's just yeah. bottom line. Now, I, I am a huge believer in that, but like, that's, that's not what you lead with. I think it just helps. I think yeah. that's right. Well, maybe I believe you. Chris is a big, we call it visualization, which I think is something different. It you is. think about it like an athlete, 100%. you don't, and you visualize exactly what you're going to do exactly the next step. You know, it's tactical in the way that you execute it. Manifesting to me is like, I'm just, it's coming. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get rich. I see the riches. Visualization is tomorrow I'm going to have this meeting. This is exactly how it's going to go because I've prepared this way and I see it going down. Yeah. I think there's, I think there's, I think there's truth to all three of those scenarios a little bit. I think where people really fuck it up is that they don't accompany it with the work. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like I've always been, I, the, 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 the law of attraction truly changed my life. And I know that sounds people, because pe- I, when I first heard this shit, um, it was from this girl that I knew back in like 2006 and she was a chiropractor and she was super hippie. And like, I was at first I was like, man, she's very granola. Like this is, this sounds crazy, but I was broke as fuck, dude. And I was living at my dad's house. I had to move back in with my dad six years after I started my business. I'm like, I don't give a fuck how I don't, I don't care if this doesn't work. I'm going to try it. Cause I didn't have nothing to lose. And dude, I, I promise you, like it changed my entire life. But here's the thing I did that most people don't do is I did the work I, I did. I, I think it's I think it's like 50 percent, you know, knowing where the fuck you're going and then putting that energy out 
And then 50% just working your fucking face off until you get there. Yeah. And um, at least that's how it's been for me, man. No, I agree. Yeah. I think, well, a lot of it, what stops us, what stops us before anybody else, before failure, before anybody tells us we can't is that we don't even try. Yeah. We don't even try to yeah. do it because we don't believe in ourselves and because things like we don't have a belief that we could actually do it. And thus our energy says no dice. Mm -hmm. So I do. I mean, we live in Austin. We got a little bit of the crystals and woo woo going down too. <laughs> I feel you. Yeah. Um, I do think though, you know, one thing that I like to preach on the internet that's really different is I don't care how you make money. Uh, I just think that everybody should have a moral obligation to get enough tools in their toolbox to protect themselves on the downside. And a lot of people see people, I think like you or like Alex, for instance, and they're like, I need to sleep on my couch, you know, on my floor for three years in order to do this. And that's what they did. And they had this huge idea and then they went big for it. I don't think that many people are like you and Alex. You guys are relatively rare. Yeah. And so people can take that way or they could also take small steps and small bets. And and that was, you know, I'm a little different because I was risk averse. I was scared. I don't mm -hmm. know if I would have been able to go like sleep on a floor mm -hmm. and and do that. You know, I was in a finance job. I mean, I worked in hardcore finance at like Goldman, State Street, Vanguard, all the big guys for 12 years. Yeah. You know, mm. I was working for the man 60 hour weeks. I didn't see the sun. You know, I lived in Chicago. We literally, you know, went into the office before the sun, left the office after the sun. Yeah. And but I did it working for somebody else because I was too scared to go do it by myself. Yeah. I didn't have the balls. Yeah. See, I just didn't have a choice. Yeah. It's not like I wanted to sleep on the fucking mattress. Like I just didn't have but you could have gone choice. and like worked for somebody else. Right. Nah, you took man. a big you, risk. Could you imagine me working for somebody? <laughs> <laughs> Let's be fucking honest. Like it, it wouldn't work out. Like it would, it would last a day. You're unemployable. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like I did not have a choice. And I agree with you. It's not for everybody. <laughs> That's actually fair. Yeah. But what I think most people should do is like get in the game a little bit, you know, take that first tiny step to having one income stream and then getting another one. And Alex always breaks my balls because he's like, no, one thing laser focused nonstop. Mm -hmm. And I think there are different types of humans. Mm -hmm. Some humans can do the laser focus. And I think that's incredible. Most humans, I don't think can. I think they have to start with having a few things because those few things make them feel safe. Mm -hmm. And then they could narrow down and really go ham on one. But I like one of my missions is basically to make people feel comfortable that they don't have, you don't have to be an incredible operator. Yeah. You don't have to be a savant. You don't have to be a hard ass. You could be a scared single mom, you know, with nothing and to fall back on. become an incredible operator. Exactly. And yeah. start small, you Dude, know? Look, I didn't know shit when I started. No. And my first customer, I could, I, well, my first real customer, my first customer was a guy named Nick Vespa, who's still a buddy of mine. He bought a $7 product from us because he felt sorry for us. He still buys product from us, I believe. Um, thanks, Nick. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The first real customer. You're my boy, in. Nick. Yeah. I remember, I remember whenever I, I had my first real customer, dude, and I didn't know shit. I had a guy, and this is why retail is such a great, great thing, man. Um, this guy walks in and he's like looking around. And he like looks at this, pro and I remember the product, it was Celtech by MuscleTech. And he looks at it and he shows it to me and he's like, what do you know about this? And I'm like, I walked over to him real quick. I grabbed the bottle. I go, well, it says right here, seven pounds of muscle in seven days, man. <laughs> Sounds pretty good. I didn't know shit. I didn't know shit. So like, just understand, everybody starts there. I didn't know fucking anything, dude. Like people used to walk in my store and they'd be like, 
so are you going out of business soon or what? And I'm like, I had no idea what they were talking about because I thought, I thought we had something. Like I was like, dude, we're going to be rich, bitch. Like, <laughs> this is going to be great. No, bro, we just opened. Yeah. And they would look at me and they'd be like, really? But they'd always buy shit. Yeah. And I know why. Because they felt sorry for us. They were like, look at these fucking idiots. Hmm. And they would buy shit. But, you know, we, we learned along the way. And I think that's the thing is like, we have to all realize that you guys listening who are scared, who don't have, um, you know, like, dude, look, this personality I have, Hermosi's personality, Layla, like all these people, bro, this is, this is learned skill. It's not, it's not, that's not a gift. I, like, dude, if you saw me 20 years ago, I was just a dumb motherfucker. Actually, I'm still a dumb motherfucker. I just talk a little better, right? Same. Yeah, yeah right. Like, same. I, I'm, I'm fooling a lot of you guys. Okay? You some good I'm, words. Yeah, yeah, right. Peruse. But the truth is, man, I don't, I'm not really that smart. I'm just not. I've just been doing this for so long that I understand this and really not a whole lot of other stuff other than tyrants and shit going on in the world. You know, I know that. But well, the, and pain tolerance. Yeah, I think yeah, like if I could, that's a big deal. If I could give one person, you know, we, so I've, I don't know, I probably invested a couple hundred companies by now, not, not all my own cash, but with our private equity and venture capital funds and like the number one trade, I mean, it's Angela Duckworth talked about it in her study um, at University of Pennsylvania, grit. Grit, yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, and so, um, you know, the number one study for success is just how much pain can somebody tolerate? And it's not physical pain. That's my husband, former military. I can't do that. But it's can they show up every single day and deal with the shit? And I also like, uh, we were talking about Ben Horowitz earlier. He said a line that I thought was amazing, which is, uh, if you have to eat shit, don't nibble. And uh, and sort of mm. like the Mark, Mark Twain frog Get it quote, over with. Get it over yeah. with. Yeah. Um, and so that's the thing that I think we were talking about the fitness community, like the fitness community gets it because you do the really hard thing in the morning, you work out in the morning, get the, result. the rest of the day, you kind of are like, bring yeah. it. I could maybe have a beer at two because yeah. I've done the hard part yeah. in the morning. Um, and so I, I think that's really, really big. But I also like, did you ever have, I, I suppose your really hard experience that I know of at least was this beginning of starting this company. You know, I, I didn't have like a, a failure moment like that in a company early on. But I had a, um, w what I call sort of my tipping point was that early in my career, I was a journalist along the US-Mexico border. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, human trafficking. I read that. Drug smuggling. That's badass. Yeah. I did. I remember reading that and I was like, dude, that's fucking badass. Yeah, I don't talk about it enough. Yeah. I should, but it, it was really- Especially with what's going on now. Yeah. You probably have a lot of good insight on oh, it. Oh yeah, I mean, I've yeah. crossed the border illegally like 20 or 30 times yeah. writing stories. That's crazy. Um, yeah, it was, That's it was really cool. It was incredible. Yeah. And the part that that formed me that I'm so thankful for that only an idiot who's like a young kid would go do because I did it when I was still in college is I lived in Juarez uh, and El Paso and Juarez at the time was called um, La Ciudad de Muerte, the city of death. And I was writing this story. Sounds friendly. Yeah, it was a super lovely neighborhood, really. <laughs> Great neighbors. Sounds and, like St. Uh, Louis. <laughs> actually, you guys are number one. Yeah, right you are now. number right. one. Yeah, that, fuck yeah, yeah we're number we, one. We've been number one for 23 years straight. We, we ain't no losers, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we, we, we in that number one, baby. That's painful. Yeah. Because, but, and so you guys have probably seen it because I remember I was writing stories about- DJ grew up in the worst neighborhood, in, in the worst neighborhood- in the United States. Yes, you know, there was this, you remember the documentary uh, called Ganglands? Yeah. They filmed the episode on my block. Wow. Yeah, it was bad. It was That's bad. incredible. Yeah, yeah. yeah. good so times though, his, man. His story, of, <laughs> his story of his upbringing is incredible. It's actually probably worth an entire episode by itself. Yeah, I'd want to listen to that. You're very humble too. 
I mean, I, I don't like the, cause I, the, the problem with that stuff, it can he very doesn't like the easily, fun success. well, it can easily turn into like that victimhood shit. Like I like, I, yeah, like, it's a I'm not line, proud huh? of anything that uh-huh. I came from. I don't regret it or like, you know, uh, or, or like hate where I came from. Right. But like saying like I'm from the mud, I don't take any pride in that. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it is what it is. Like, well, you're still building. I'm no, shit very, too, I'm no longer there anymore. Yeah, that's but all yeah, you, you're just getting started on your journey. It's just to me, like, I've seen where he's grown up, and it's incredible that you're even fucking alive, dude. Real talk. Thanks, man. Yeah, I'm glad you are. Thanks. Yeah, yeah me too. Same. <laughs> me too. <laughs> well, I think other things too about that is like uh, my generation. Uh, I think a lot of the reason why we why we have all of the things we have today is because people feel like they don't have real struggle, so they want to manifest it. One hundred percent. So, like a lot of people, you know. Oh man, that's they want a good. victim story. That's so true. They you grew know? up so fucking soft. That the minute their feelings get hurt, they fucking have this sad story of something. Yeah, well, mm. and I think it's even deeper than that. I think deep down, a lot of people feel like, I feel guilty. From I having feel it easy. guilty yeah. from having it easy. And so I must be privileged. Mm. And so I must give have a back. Story. Yeah. Right. As opposed to, I think, man, if you went through that, my father's the same. He came from a really tough background. And every time I bring it up publicly, he's like, he always jokes with me. He's like, yeah, it's amazing. I speak English and, you know, have a company and stuff. He's like almost a little embarrassed. Mm-hmm. He's like, don't talk about that. And I'm like, no, no, no. That's incredible. It's inspiring. It's incredible. Yeah. But he just d- doesn't see it like that. Uh, he yeah. doesn't want to yeah. talk about what he's been through. And I, I respect that. A lot. I do, too. I, I think those stories are necessary, though. You know, I think it's important for people to understand, especially right now in these times, that even as tough as they are and even as the 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 boot gets more pressure on our necks as american citizens um it's still the land of opportunity and there's still many 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 amazing opportunities for every single person listening regardless of where you came from and those stories inspire those people you know i i think it's important for people to tell those stories but i also understand the other side of that mentality too yeah. No, I think yeah. I think you should tell the story. I'm I'm team DJ <laughs> podcast episode. Yeah. I agree with that. Well, I appreciate um, it. It should be a video segment, bro. We should here's what we should do, bro. Should we should back. do a video episode and take motherfuckers to where I grew up and yeah. then take them where you grew up. Yeah, well, I'm I'm down with that. They look yeah. similar. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no shit, dude. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it you know, you lived it, but I only was in Juarez for like a year back and mm-hmm. forth. And I remember when I was there, it was when the Sonoran and the Sinaloan cartels were going at each other aggressively. One of the biggest prisons was in Juarez and they brought uh, fucking Apache helicopters in the cartels with anti-tank missiles and broke out one of the the cartel leaders. Wait, the cartels on Apaches? Well, the CIA, our CIA gave it to him, but yeah, yeah. Well, yeah give me one. <laughs> I want one. Hey, Kevin, you would definitely not be allowed. Out. Yeah, you would not be allowed out. I'm on the list. Give me a fucking helicopter. <laughs> you go to Mexico, you could probably get one. Yeah, but they, you know, it was, it was. I mean, I would see bodies hanging from freeways. Oh I, shit! My job at the time was to go to the morgue, not every day, but almost every other day, and. uh and determine how many women were actually murdered and mutilated uh, mm. that day because there were two newspapers. There was the cartel-backed newspaper and there was the government-backed newspaper. And we were trying to figure out- What's true. What was true. Yeah. Yeah, because they have this thing there called Las Desaparecidas, which is the disappeared women. And every year in war is thousands of women uh, are found murdered and mutilated in the desert. And they can't quite figure out why. And, and back when I was covering this, nobody had covered it. Now there's like a J-Lo movie on it and stuff like that. And so we won a few awards, but at that time, what was wild. So is, J-Lo basically plays you. 
Yeah, Maybe hardly. Yeah, there <laughs> yeah. There's, a, there's a few few slight things different there. Yeah. <laughs> I really want to work out my like really a little bit more like her. I'd say you made it, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I'm gonna let me let me hit J Lo if you're listening. Yeah. Um, copyright infringement. Um, <laughs> but uh, but what was wild is um, it only hit me after I had been there for a minute. But have you ever been to Juarez, either one of you? No. I mean great vacation destination, but you, you cross the, um, the Rio Grande, right. And the, which separates Mexico and the U S El Paso mm-hmm. and Juarez. And there's this highway and it's exactly how you would picture it. Tons of, of steel and things cordoned off. And as you cross it, I wonder if it's still there, but there would be this, there was this huge wooden cross. And on this wooden cross were all of these pink ribbons and mementos and pictures. And so as I got closer to it, I realized that it was covered with missing posters of these women. And what was wild for me at the time, one, there's thousands. You would go on every street corner and you would see these missing women. But but then I realized, oh my gosh, wait, I've got really long brown hair. I've got brown eyes. My last name is Sanchez. Whoa, you know, I could be on one of these and and I was covering it. And what it made me think is like, what's the difference? Like, why do all these people go missing and nobody gives a shit? And why, if if I went missing in the U.S., like it probably there would be some noise startled mm-hmm. up. And I don't think it's a race thing. I don't think it's a gender thing. It is one thing. It's who has money and who doesn't. Because mm-hmm. money makes you hard to kill and hard to silence, as you know. <laughs> and so that's why I think it's so important that we all get some skin in the game and some cash on hand because it's a lot easier to speak your mind when you have cash to back it up, if you can't pay your rent, if you don't have the bottom pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs, like you're probably not going to speak out because yeah. you're going to be squashed. I think it's the biggest problem we have in America right now. We, we have we have this cultural environment that's been created by most of the biggest companies in the world mm-hmm. that is then copied by the small companies because they see it as the way to do it. Like, you know, because small companies tend to emulate the big companies. And now we have this culture inside the workplace where people feel afraid to say anything because they're going to go to HR, they're going to lose their job, or they're going to do this. And dude, like this is the bane of my fucking existence. I've been doing this for three years trying to get people to speak the fuck up, but they won't because they're afraid that the culture in their workplace won't allow it for it to happen. Exactly. You know, they go on social media. Like a lot of people won't even share my show because they go. They think that if they share it, their boss. I hear this all the time. Their boss might hear it, or they're like, dude, we talked about this on a. With, with Spofford, with Spofford didn't we? Yeah. yeah. So, dude, I got some DMs about that. They're like, bro, I love your show. I'm one of those people that can't share it, though. And here's why. And the reason they can't share it is because they're afraid they're going to get fucking fired. And like, bro, that's insane. Like, we live in a fucking free country, dude. Mm-hmm. Which, to your point, that just made, that just that's an obvious indicator that you are past the threshold and you're just a consumer. Well, dude, exactly. y- yeah, you don't want to be leveraged like that. Yeah. Like, you don't want to have yeah. to answer to people like that. And like, I think it's a... Man, I think what you're saying is super fucking important. It's not about having a billion fucking dollars. It's about having enough money to where you're, you're, you can actually have some sort of sense of freedom and self. Meaning like if you do get fired from your job, well, fuck it, dude. I stood for what the fuck I believe. And like because we're not responsibly looking at money the right way, now we're not me, but a lot of us are in a situation where we can't say what we really believe. Because we're afraid that we'll lose our way to live. And dude, that's no way to live, man. That's you're a no. slave at that point. Like exactly. you, you should be calling your boss fucking master at this point. Because yeah. that's the truth. That's the truth. 
That's exactly right. Yeah. We'll take it a step further, bro. Like even think about all the employees, like all your fellow colleagues, right? Like if you left that business and you went to go start your own and then you create an environment that is freedom, right? And now all those colleagues at your last employment, they can come work for you. Well, that I think it's a massive ripple effect. Dude, look, I think half of the reason that most of these companies have problems hiring people is because they've copied the culture of the Fortune 100 companies that has been passed down by the World Economic Forum and and tied to ESG and diversity inclusion requirements. And they've copied that culture and nobody wants to work in that culture. Nobody. So that you can't hire anybody. So like, dude, do you want people? Like you said earlier, I don't have a problem hiring people. There's a wait list to come here and work. You know why? Because it's fucking free in here, dude. You could say whatever the fuck you want in your political beliefs. Like, I don't care. We have plenty of people in here that disagree with what I'm saying. It, it, it's just, it's America, man. That's the fuck yeah. we do. Yeah. No, you know, exactly like, dude, right. disagreements produce better results, better solutions. Well, it's, you know, it's wild. So I started our little media company, Contrarian Thinking, in 2020. Yeah. I was never on the internet before. And uh, yeah, you came out of nowhere, dude. Yeah, yeah. I was bi- I was heads down yeah. building companies, buying them. And and in 2020, we stopped traveling. So I had some free time because I wasn't running around all the time doing road shows. And the reason I started Contrarian Thinking, if you go back to my very first little article, the reason I started it is because people were losing their minds in 2020. Mm-hmm. And I thought, God, we can't meet. You know, we can't have conversations. I'm going to start this newsletter, but really it's going to be back and forth between me and my friends. And mm. I want to debate the ideas that are happening right now because I don't agree with a lot of them. Yeah. And and my thought, hey, I have something I call the modern hierarchy, which is like, first you need financial freedom, then you get physical freedom, then you can have philosophical freedom, aka mm. think what you want. And I like that. Yeah. yeah. I deep. think it's pretty true. Yeah. That's what I thought too. Yeah. And so I thought, let's try to get more people into this pyramid. But the, the problem is nobody thinks that they think poorly. Like everybody thinks that the way their brain works makes sense. They and don't, they also think that everybody else thinks the same way they think. Right. Yeah. And if they don't, they're idiots. Yeah. They're bad shit. guys. Yeah. They're yeah. villains. Yeah. Right. White so, supremacists. Right. And so you especially. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Um, Blackface and white supremacy right there, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> you guys are giving me too much credit. <laughs> you and Larry Elder. <laughs> and the um and then what I realized is so I was I started contrarian thinking, trying to get people to talk about mental frameworks, and I realized nobody wants to talk about this. And so I used the Trojan horse strategy was, which was, what does everybody want? Money. Riches, bitches, Bentleys, right? That's what everybody wants. And so I was like, all right. I <laughs> love that. Um, <laughs> it's not the top of my list, but like that's what I've heard. So, um, so anyway, so then I started talking about money because on the internet, if you say, here's a way to get X money that this person made, you're kind of backdoor sneaking them into skin in the game and ownership. Mm. And my, my idea, we'll see if it proves to be true, is once you own a part of the house, you don't burn it down. You build it right? You know, once you own part of Main Street, you don't light that shit on fire. That's you right. protect it. That's right. And and if you look, we did this analysis, which was fascinating. Across all of the main sectors in the U.S., you see one trend. More of that sector going to fewer companies. And in fact, when I looked at grocery stores, um, think about that. Every sector. Yeah. Every sector. In fact, the top 10 companies. That means companies, the richer be getting richer and the poor getting poorer. That's right. Yeah. And, and most of those companies then become subsidized and then they create rules that stop anti-competition, that stop competition. They're anti-competitive. And so, you know, when we looked across these sectors, 25 to 30% of them are owned by the top 10 companies. And that, that number has just been going like this. So I started thinking, man, we got to do something against that. 
Because how much easier is it to collect taxes on 500 S&P 500 companies as opposed to 30 million small businesses? How much easier is it to do COVID mandates on 500 companies than 30 million small ones? They couldn't do it. Right. Yeah. And so that's why we have, I mean, people talk about- they tried it. They tried to do just like I said they do. They did. Dude, people don't understand this. They, they They show the businesses that are mom and pop how to operate and these mom and pops emulate these big companies, which is the wrong fucking way to do it. Yeah. Just because Coca-Cola is doing whatever Coca-Cola is doing does not mean that your 17-person company should be running the same culture system or the same operational system inside. And we ha- they, they're smart, dude. They understand that if they put that down through the biggest companies, that those 30 million small businesses will start to copy it and they tried to get their way. And that's what they did with that vaccine shit. Yeah. You know, they, dude, they threatened us uh, with, with a $700,000 fine per employee if I didn't force them to get him vaccinated. That's wild. Well, do the yeah. math on that. We have 450 people in this building. Yeah. That's insane. That's yeah. total tyranny, dude. I yeah. saw him, fuck it. You put me in fucking jail. I don't give a shit. Yeah, it takes a lot of balls to do that. That's really hard to do. And I think, but like, that's why we need more. People talk about decentralized ownership, Bitcoin. Yeah. I'm like, I get the idea, but I think decentralized yes. ownership is actually yes. ownership of small businesses. Yes, yes. It, because you're decentralizing the money, the, the the power control that they have. That's exactly right. Dude, this is why I say all the time, and, and I, you're busy doing your own thing, and I know you listen sometimes, but this is why I always say personal excellence is the ultimate rebellion. Because dude, mm. if you can get yourself financially in a great place, Dude, this gives you the, the the freedom to actually say the truth that you believe, which makes a difference. Like, dude, that's exactly that's right. a great fucking point that you. Well, that you I, made. I hope that we. I agree you with know, you a million percent. Yeah, I yeah. mean, I, our goal is a million small business owners. That's yeah. what I want to create. I love that, and I don't think it's that hard. You guys are, you guys are, you guys are, you guys are pouring into the revolution that we need. I don't know if you're, you know, if that's your main purpose or not. But what you're doing is important work because of what we're just talking about. I think you're right. Yeah. Dude, I, I sat in on this crazy, I was in a room that I can't mention with people that I can't say their names. And it was the day before SVB collapsed mm-hmm. or came out publicly mm-hmm. as being taken over by the government. And, you know, my husband and I do a decent amount of stuff with uh, political donations because I think once you have some money, you have a personal responsibility yeah. to uh, to do that. Yeah, I do too. To be a civil, you know, not if you're not going to be a civil servant to to donate. And yeah. so the only um, problem with that is, is the fucking text messages afterwards asking oh God, you to donate more. Oh Holy shit! Especially during somebody's campaign <laughs> in particular. Kill me, dude. Yeah, 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 that was awful. <laughs> yeah, dude, and and Trump's the list campaign, you get on. Oh God, yeah. I, I gave a I gave a couple million bucks this year to some some uh, pro free. I won't call them conservative because they're not. They're pro freedom yeah. candidates. And they happen to be in the same primary race and they're, they actually, you know, I'm good friends with both of them and they fucking hate each other, which sucks. <laughs> but but uh, they're both great dudes, bro. They're both great dudes. But I understand why they don't like each other. I get it. But uh, it's funny because I started getting these messages from Trump's team. Like, donate to Trump. Donate to Trump. Don't, dude, I'm writing back. Fuck you, motherfuckers. <laughs> Stop texting me. Like, bro, and I don't even feel that way about Trump, but I just got so annoyed with the text. I was just, see what I could get away with texting them. Yeah, right. You know? They don't care. No, they don't. <laughs> they keep sending them, dude. It must work. It, because, dude, it must. yeah, they do it on both sides. Yeah, yeah I got like Nancy cool Pelosi, Bernie Sanders, whatever. Yeah. But uh, but I think the, the part that was fascinating is, so we're in this room and we're with a bunch of investors who are freaking out because their cash is in this bank and mm. contagion's going to happen. Mm-hmm. And and I was at Goldman in 2008. So I saw 
what the run of the bank run on the banks like actually could look like. And what was wild is the person who was up on that stage was a member of the government in a position to make things happen. And he acted like it was nothing. And why are you guys even talking about this? Incredibly dismissive. And I was like, wow, this is not the crowd to do that mm. to one. And two, you really must not understand finance if you don't understand what a bank run could look like. That would be horrifying for this country. And then I so I chatted with a few people who are behind the scenes on it. And they told me that JP Morgan made an offer to buy SVB that weekend and the government blocked it. And in that moment, I Dude. just yeah, two people confirmed it. Dude. Two very, two very high up people. I have no firsthand knowledge. I don't know. But it makes sense to me. It Why? does. Because they, they don't want the... They don't want crypto. Exactly. Well, that's the signature bank yeah. thing. That's that's the real deal. Um, but the part that I thought was fascinating is like there really is this narrative that they want to go against the owners and the people who fund decentralized ownership, which is what Silicon Valley does. Now, I don't like everybody in Silicon Valley. I'm, I'm the opposite of that. I buy fucking laundromats, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't have a social app. Yeah, I, you're, you know? you're, you're, you're being the American citizen version of BlackRock right now. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. For real. Right. That's I mean, what they're trying to do. And all of the shit that we're talking about here, exactly. this is about taking from the middle class, consolidating to the ultra wealthy, and leaving everybody else to be poor. And this is why right. what you do, and this is really- So critical. Listen, dude, I'm about to, like, dude, communists, in my opinion, like this real shit, they should be killed. Okay, that's where I that's where I stand. It's my opinion. If you don't like it, I don't give a shit. They should be killed. Their their thinking is flawed. It's killed more people than any disease, than any war, and actually than all the diseases and all the wars combined. It's killed more people than that. It's a very 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 bad thing. And what we're witnessing, and why the true reason I wanted to bring you on the show was yes, your content is amazing, but what we're talking about here is actually the revolution that needs to happen. Yeah, I agree. It's yeah. fucking amazing. And the cool part is it's doable because I think a lot of times if you hear, you know, I don't talk about the SVB stuff or like if you watch my content, I talk really tactical stuff you could do every day because when I hear that stuff, I'm like, gosh, I have some wealth and success and I can't do anything about SVB and the government blocking JP Morgan. It makes you feel sort of helpless. But I didn't what, know that. Ask around and yeah, no, see I what believe your you. people think. I believe you a million percent. But um, I, I thought that was astounding because. Uh, That's insane, dude. Yeah, well, it makes sense though, doesn't it? Because yeah, they totally. want to demonize the the only people who are almost more powerful than them right now. And who is that? Big tech. Yeah. Big tech and the people who fund them. And so those people are on a collision course, as you can tell by how ridiculous the lawsuits are that they brought against um, Facebook. Yeah. And what they really should be looking at are maybe some other companies in the realm. And so, yeah, I, I think, you know, when I listen to all this stuff, what I go to back to is... What can you do as a human today to get some ownership and some skin in the game in your community? Like, you know, you've done an incredible thing here in St. Louis, you know, built this huge company that you guys have built up that employs people locally. I was asking around to people, where are you from? Where are you from? St. Louis, St. Louis, St. Louis, which was, and I'm sure there are people from all over. Oh, yeah. But I thought that was really cool. That is this local. And, you know, we were standing in front and what were a bunch of people doing? They were getting ready to go to the first Cardinals game. Right. Mm -hmm. And so and when a day and age where, you know, Budweiser gets sold out to another international company, which is OK, they're still bringing money to your local economy. You guys are sort of you're a little fence post. You're you're a stick in the ground. We're, we're actively working. to. So before that happened, the InBev, uh, AB InBev. takeover yeah. of, of, of AB. Yeah. It, look, dude. No, 
<clears throat> I can't explain this and I can't be, I can't, I cannot overstate this. You could not buy a Coors Light in St. Louis. Could not buy it. Could not fucking get it. Okay. And that goes for any beer that wasn't AB. If you drank a fucking, if you drank a Coors Light in St. Louis, bro, somebody will punch you in the face. That's how it was before that embed. And everybody was crushed when that happened. Yeah. One of our main things in first form that we like to do, that, we, that our goal is, is to replace that feeling of pride that everybody, because we don't have a lot in St. Louis, dude. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? We're not known for a lot of shit. Yep. And so what I want, what my, one of my main goals, we do a lot of community stuff. We, we do you know, a lot of charitable things uh, because we care, dude. These are our fucking people. You know what I'm saying? Like we don't have shit here. And um, we've got some incredible people. And so one of my goals, it's funny that you brought up AB because we talk about this internally all the time. One of our goals is to become um, that source of, that fence post, like yes. you say, for our community. And um, it's, it's an important thing. Yeah. You know, people, people take pride in that shit, man. Well, and I mean, before we go and try to fix the problems of the world, maybe like start in your home, then start yeah. in your neighborhood, yeah. then start mm -hmm. in your community, yeah. then your city. And so, I mean, we live in Austin and we're pretty big on this. We're like, we're going to donate to the local, you know, situations happening in Austin. We're going to actually probably invest in some local businesses. Like I own some laundromats in Austin yeah. and they're nice. Yeah. They're like a place where somebody can come in. They can get their clothes clean. They've got like stuff for the kids to do. It's not a hard business to understand, um, but you can have a little pride in your yeah. local community. Yeah. I, I think people really underestimate how good that feels. It's like super selfish. I, I also think it's, I think they underestimate how important it is, yeah. right? People are tired of global corpse, man. Yeah. Like they're tired of everything feeling like it's owned by BlackRock. Or, or one of these bigger companies or, or you know, they, I, dude, I think people are tired of fucking shopping at Amazon. In yeah. fact, I have the data to prove it. Oh, yeah. I, I, like, dude, my retail company, uh, Supplement Superstores here, we have, I don't know, 30-something stores. Um, they, those, we're killing it. We're better than we've ever been. And there's no explanation other than what I've been talking about on the show for the last three years is that people are becoming more aware of the way to counteract what some of these things that we've been dealing with in society. And, and they started to understand like our dollars matter. Our yeah. dollars matter. We vote with our dollars. We buy from independent companies. And I can see this because in our retail, like dude, in a time where, you know, money is, is getting a little bit harder to come by. People are becoming a little more discerning. They're thinking about where they're shopping their money. Our sales continue to go up. And I believe our sales go up because yes, we've, we, we do a good job. Yes. We, service the customer. Yes, we, we create a great experience. We do all the things we should do. Nope. But I think that that extra thing, like where people are starting to become conscious of, of reinvesting with actual real people, right? Instead of like yes. faceless corporations that nobody knows, uh, investing in their, I think that, I think people are becoming aware. And I think that the time, the pendulum is sort of swinging back away from convenience into, okay, some things are a little more important than convenience or even price sometimes we have to reinvest in these businesses that are giving back in our communities in order for them to thrive one of the things i'm very grateful for about st louis in general st louis has always been very conscious about that we have deerbergs which is a family-owned company we have schnooks which is a family-owned company these are both billion dollar plus grocery companies and people support these places because they understand that these are real people that employ real people in their neighborhood and there's a pride there so like dude even these like these these laundry like i think I, I truly believe that what you guys are onto is a huge, it's a huge, I think you're way ahead of the curve of what buying uh, behavior is going to look like for the next 10 years or so. 
I think you're right. Yeah. Yeah. You have a business that makes $100,000. How can we turn this into a million dollars through acquisitions, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think there's going to be a flood of bankruptcies. This is like a little bit of a pivot, but thinking of acquisitions, there's going to, do you know right now, I was looking at the data yesterday, private equity firms who touch something like one in $4 in the US economy, depending on how you calculate it, in 2007 and 2008, so big recession period, obviously, they had about $100 million, negative $100 million on their balance sheet because they're mm. levered, right? 2015, it was like 300, 400 million. Today, $700 million. So these companies so are- So it's coming. So, yeah, because yeah. rates are up, yeah, man, right? It's coming. You know, you guys don't do that because you didn't grow through acquisitions and all of this crazy financial yeah. levering. But I think we're going to have so many bankruptcies that you're going to be able to pick up businesses for pennies on the dollar. We're already seeing it. Uh, I'm already seeing that in a number of industries that are parallel to what we do. Oh, interesting. Yeah. And so I'm not going to name any names because I'm, I'm friends with a lot of these guys and I'm not yeah. happy about it. Never. Um, nope. But the truth of the matter is, is, and this just isn't for us, it's for anybody that's in a, in a, in a strong position. Uh, and this is why you should do it the right way. This is why you should take the long road. Because when the long road, when you take the long road and you build a solid foundation, when shit goes haywire and everybody else is panicking, you actually get to leverage up three or four different levels. You know, in 2008, uh, I was just running my retail company. We had just started First Form. So it took me, it took me 20 months to launch our first product at First Form because like we didn't know what the fuck we were doing, right? Yeah. And like I told you, we, we, we partnered with a company that also didn't know so we were learning as we went. Yep. And so there was a lot of trial and error. It took a long time. But dude, during those, four, those five years, we grew our retail company 100% every single year for one single reason. No one else tried. Everybody mm. else quit. Everybody else said, no more marketing, no more advertising. Yeah. We're, we're pulling in all of our assets and we're going to ride out the storm. And while everybody else rode out the storm, I took all their shit. And now they're all gone. Like we cleaned them out. And that same same type of scenario is about to happen. Yes, one hundred percent. That's what she's saying. That's yeah. what I think you're saying. One hundred percent. Well, and I mean the part I was at this. That's what uh, the data shows. The it, data shows is coming. The data shows. I've been talking about it. I, dude, how many times have we talked about this? A million, <laughs> about, yeah, a million, million, one, two, <laughs> right? A lot. Few, right? That at least that once. data that you just said <laughs> that just fortifies my position that this is at, this is going to happen. Yeah, I'll and send dude, it. It's going to be worse in 08. Yeah, I think so too. And longer. Yeah. I mean, this is like so technical and weird, but I was at this company called uh, First Trust um, at the time. Actually, you would love the CEO. Um, it's a private company. He wipes his name off the internet. You yeah. can't find him anywhere. Yeah. I definitely Smart. had my disagreements with him, but yeah. he's a billionaire. Uh, hundreds of billions of dollars under management. America as fuck. I mean, yeah. they have a Christmas party. They don't have a holiday party. Yeah. You know, they have like yeah, these yeah, yeah. lines yeah. in the sand. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is, he's a hardcore dude, Jim yeah. Bowen. He's going to hate that I'm talking about him right now. But anyway, but I have a lot of respect for him because yeah. the culture that he's built. And he has this one economist, Brian Westbury on Twitter. And I'll give Brian a shout because he's, I think, the best economist that I've ever followed in that he doesn't follow the narrative at all. He spoke out about everything you guys have spoken out about mm -hmm. and has an analyst team that does a ton of research. So it's all backed by data. And um, and he told me one thing in 2007, 2008. I had come to their company more like 20, 2009, 2010. And and I was working and running their Latin America business. It was a pretty big asset management business at the time. And Brian gave me this presentation that blew my mind and basically showed how Again, technical, but like follow me for three seconds. Something called mark-to-market accounting, right? Which basically means like if I have this desk right now and we bought this desk for a thousand bucks, 
I have to, at this exact moment, go try to sell it in the market. And whatever the market will pay, so let's say eBay is the market, whatever the market will pay is what this desk is worth. So if I have a $1,000 desk and I'm going to go sell it on eBay, what are you going to get for it? Like 10 bucks, 100 bucks? You know, there's a big discount to the market. Right. Well, in 2008, they changed the mark-to-market accounting regulations. And what they did is they changed that for the banks. So imagine billions of dollars worth of loans, right? And they said, if you have loans on your balance sheet, you have to mark those loans to what the market will pay you for them at any given time. Well, that's okay. Normal day-to-day things trade liquidly, uh, you know, with a lot of liquidity. But when there's a liquidity crisis, aka 2008, and nobody's buying anything because we think the world's going to end, how much are people going to pay for that desk? They're going to pay pennies on the dollar. And that's actually why the crisis happened. It wasn't what everybody talked about, which is, oh, the banks are so bad and they're out doing these crazy loans. It was that the government changed one tiny little tax practice. And that tiny little tax practice of mark to market essentially meant that the banks looked bad and like they had bad assets on their balance sheet. But if you have a mortgage portfolio and you pay your rent, that's all a mortgage is, right? And that that rent is getting paid every single month, let's say 80%, then the, the mortgage is worth at least 80% of its value. So 80 cents on the dollar, right? Well, the market would only pay 10 cents for that loan. So they mark it down immediately. The second that they change mark-to-market accounting, and you can look at this on the, the notes for the Fed, is when the V-shaped recovery happens. So I'm, I'm like, I fuck you not. It happens in 2009, the second that yeah. they change the accounting. And so they pile all this stimulus and TARP and all of this money into the economy. And that has a correlation to the market going up. But Brian's argument is no causation. That's not why the market went up. It's just that they changed this mark-to-market accounting. And so that's why I go back again and again to it's all about, do you understand the finance terms? Do you mm-hmm. actually understand what's happening at the dollar level? Because that's what drives our economy. And so the reason we had this really quick V-shaped recovery is because we didn't have as bad of a market as- As the, it was portrayed. Right. But right. today, there's no mark-to-market no, accounting. That's right. It's something different. So yeah. it's not going to feel like <clears throat> that. It's, I think it's going to be, I think it's in my, you know, hold on. Uh-oh. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now I can qual- qualify to talk about this. Um, I personally believe that what is happening is an intentional uh, destruction of our financial system because it's irreparable. And the intent is to hyperinflate the currency, trade out what people are insured for in the banks for digital currency. And then basically start everybody over at 250 grand or less and say, oh, by the way, you still owe your debt. Oof. That's what I think is going to happen. I hope you're wrong. I know. That has been a word <laughs> from usually our, not. Yeah. That was a word from Andy Domus. That's right. We uh, come yeah. back. We come right back to normal Andy. Well, but I do think you have a point, which is what's the only way to combat that? Assets and yeah. not just cash in the bank. You need to own companies. You need to own land. I mean, everybody talks about inflation being bad for everybody. No, it's bad for people who don't own anything. Mm. My houses, my businesses go up in price. Yeah. If you don't have any assets, you're, you know, you're inflating away your salary at 3% a year yeah. salary increase. Yeah. It's you a, know, it's an unwinnable war. It Can't is. Win it. No. And, and, and this goes back full circle. Okay. Uh, to you not quitting when you're unhappy. <laughs> That's real talk. That's real shit. Because what ends up happening is 
you get to be 75 years old and you don't have shit because you guys all think that you're going to save a million bucks or 2 million bucks and it's going to be worth 2 million bucks when you're 70 and it's actually going to be worth like 200 bucks. Mm-hmm. And that's where the, that's where the, dude, you said our economy runs on a, you know, people's understanding of currency. I actually think our entire economy runs on people's ignorance to what's going on in the financial system. Yeah. That's the only reason they're able to do it. You know, we don't yeah. know. We, we don't know. We don't know as consumers what's actually going on. And, and, and like you said, with the opaque thing, uh, where there's mystery, there's money, yeah, right? And they exactly got a lot right. of mystery with their shit for most people. It's highly confusing for the average person. This is why they don't teach us this shit in high school which is very easy for us to learn. We don't even learn how to manage our personal uh, bank accounts. No, but I know the Pythagorean theorem, so that's important. Yeah, right. I learned yep. that. Yeah, I use right. it frequently, you know? Yeah, exactly, dude. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Well, hey, I'll tell you what. Um, this has been an awesome conversation. I, I really, really appreciate you making the trip up here. Thanks for making the trip up here, Chris. Appreciate you guys. Thanks for having um, us. Guys, where, where, can, where are you doing most of your work? I know you've got a big YouTube and uh, you're doing a lot on Instagram and that's growing like crazy. Where, tell people where to follow you. Yeah, probably Cody Sanchez on Instagram, YouTube, or Contrarian Thinking, which is our newsletter. Okay. All free and just follow along and buy a business and tell us if you do. I would love if somebody tells Andy or me or DJ if you bought a business because of this, if you employ people because of this. Like, let's let's show them that, you know, it's not just trolls that respond to yeah. comments, dude, you know? You guys, you guys are doing amazing work. And, and, and you too. Dude, I'm... Like, I knew this show was going to be cool, but like, honestly, this has been one of my favorite shows that we've ever done. Um, just based upon y- your experience, your knowledge, and also the purpose of why you're doing what you're doing, I think is incredible. Uh, I would appreciate if you guys gave these guys support, support Cody and what she's doing. Um, it, it's, it, I couldn't say enough good about it. Well, it's Sam, very right back cool. at you. Yeah, it's, yeah. Can I say one last thing? For sure. I think it's really cool what you guys do. Chris and I were talking about this beforehand. Like, no shame on the rock. I like the guy. But then I think, man, you have this giant platform and you choose to do a tequila company and uh, like an energy sports drink company mm-hmm. is the only things you do. Mm-hmm. I'm like, why? Like, he's a healthy dude. Like, why not do something that would be really great for the country and the world too. I mean, tequila is fine. I like tequila, but like, yeah. I'm not sure that's the deal. Yeah. And so what I think is really cool is even in conversations here, you walk the talk, man, which is weird on the internet, first yeah. of all. Yeah. And like, uh, I wish more people out there would listen to this and like, don't just go create the next social media app. Don't just try to go get rich quick on a new alcohol. And if you actually listen to this and you have massive reach, maybe do the hard thing. Like, the Rock works hard as fuck. Why not do a company that could actually really change this country? Um, and so I think it's really cool what you're doing. I'm really stoked to be here. Well, Thanks thank for having you. me. I, I, th- I actually think the way that you guys are investing, like the way that you look at acquiring small businesses and building a portfolio, you know, and you can, you can do this with stocks. You know, you could do this with crypto if you feel a little risky right now. You know, there's other ways to do these things. Totally. But what I love about what you guys are doing, and by the way, I own a tequila company. Oh, and, shit. And, 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 <laughs> yeah. uh, well, shit. That's okay, though. That's okay because I'm building brands and it's well, going to You it also offset people. it with a giant we'll gym and some yeah, my main, My main, I also own cannabis, too. So, like, you know, <laughs> I got all the vices. Um, Me, too. Yeah. The, the, but the main thing is, you know, personal development. It is improving. It is getting better. And um, 
anyway, I, I just think what you guys are doing is incredible because it really is the revolution that we need. Yes, we need higher standards. Yes, we need you to become disciplined. Yes, we need you to become fit. But when it, when it comes to where your, your assets are going to be focused, I, I think what you guys are doing is incredible because what you're doing is you're bringing back small business America. And I think that's just, I hope that you guys listening and watching understand how big of a fucking deal that is and how you can actually be a part of it very easily. You know, it, it yes, it's going to be hard. Yes, it, maybe not easy, very simply. Okay. But it is an obligation for us as citizens to own the economy that we operate inside of. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's something that we don't talk about. Nobody talks about that. Like, you guys have an obligation to own these little stores that people utilize and these businesses that people utilize in your community. Mm -hmm. It's a big obligation that we have passed on to companies and corporations that do not have our interests in mind. They have their own interests in mind. And, and dude, if we're going to fix what's going on in the country, what you guys are doing, and, and I just hope that people really listen to it and pay attention to it, because that is actually what's going to save everything. Yep. No more Starbucks. On yeah. Street no corners, shit. You know? That's right. That's right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah. This has been amazing. Thanks, DJ. Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys. That's the show. Uh, I think, you know, that's a worth a share, don't you think? So give us a little sherry share. Give us a little likey like. And uh, we'll see you next time. Sleeping on the floor, now my jewelry box froze Fuck a bowl, fuck a stove, counted millions in the cold Bad bitch, booted swole, got her on bankroll Can't fold, that's a no, headshot, case